Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live this morning from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus in Edmond, Oklahoma, on a rainy and cloudy day. It's also September 11th, the 19-year anniversary of the World Trade Center attacks here in America that killed about 3,000 people. It's hard to believe it's already been 19 years. And of course, God puts a lot of emphasis on 19-year time cycles. So I also thought that was an interesting note. Well, last night was the first game of the 2020 National Football League season between the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. And quite a lot of controversy was stirred up over basically months of discussions about what to do about the national anthem. And finally, last night, we got to see what those discussions produced. The, Texas, the Texans stayed in their locker room. They were not on the field during the national anthem being played. And then the Chiefs all stood for the national anthem except for one player who kneeled. But they also came up with a halftime display where they all got in a line or two. It looked like it might have been two lines deep, and they just linked arms, both teams all the way across the field, basically, hundreds of people in a line. And the reason there was controversy there was because all the fans, the limited amount of fans who were finally allowed to attend a sporting event, were all booing them during that halftime, what they called show of unity. And I think that's actually a really fitting term for it. It's a show of unity. It's not actually unity. All those hundreds of players and coaches and everyone who works for those teams and the stadium workers, they, there's no possible way they all think the exact same thing about this issue of widespread police brutality against black people. There's no way every one of those hundreds of people is a Democrat. There's just simply no way. There's absolutely no unity in terms of them all being in agreement on the subject. But they are showing. They're making a show of unity. You see, they're pretending to be woke about social issues. And it really is just a show. And... It's amazing that players can then get appalled at fans booing them for these things. Did they really think, after all these months of consideration, that they would change anybody's mind with a show of unity at halftime? Now, at least they did largely, except for that one player, avoid protesting during the national anthem. I will give them credit for that. But even that took them four years to figure out they probably should have figured that out a long time ago too 
So we're past at least the most, the, the bulk of the anthem protests. Now let's get into truth. Why are they having a show of unity all the way across the football field at halftime? What is their message? What are they trying to achieve? Well, they're just propping up a narrative. It's a leftist narrative, a divisive narrative that is completely untrue. It's almost like they think we can't access the internet here in America. It takes seconds to pull up the statistics and to know whether there is a huge issue with police brutality out of the hundreds of millions of interactions they have with the public every year. There are really just a handful of deaths. I mean, it's so, so unlikely, whatever race you are, that you would ever get in a situation that would require deadly force by the police. And yet, we're being told that we should all, well, a certain race is being told that they should be afraid and that no one else could ever get shot. And again, that's just simply not true. Twice as many whites are killed by the police every year as blacks. And every single one of those lives, it's a shame when that life is lost. It's sad no matter what the race is. But it just really does frustrate a lot of average people, everyday working people, to have to be subjected to a self-righteous display that is not at all grounded in the truth when they're just trying to watch a football game. It's just so hard for the left to keep politics out of sports these days. Not only was there a lot of discussion about what would be done with the actual national anthem this year during the football season, but the league also decided to play another song alongside the Star Spangled Banner, and this song is called Lift Every Voice and Sing. And I would actually encourage you to listen to it. It's a wonderful song. It's a beautiful song. It is soulful. It is emotionally moving. The problem is it's called the Black National Anthem. That makes it sound like the actual national anthem is not for that race. How divisive can you possibly get? And again, what are they trying to achieve? Whose minds are they actually changing by all of these different ill-conceived ideas? So there's these two national anthems about to be played before every week one NFL game this season. And so there was one NFL team, the Miami Dolphins, that actually had some of their players um, look like pretty much every racial background recite a rhyming poem. And this poem was talking about how they don't even want to be on the field during either national anthem. They think it's just a hollow gesture by the league. So I'm going to warn you, brace yourself. This is two minutes plus of just intense cringeworthiness. 
We'll just play that clip now. Is it authentic? That's the mystery. Or is it just another symbolic victory? Now there's two anthems. Do we kneel? Do we stand? If we could just right our wrongs, we wouldn't need two songs. We don't need another publicity parade. So we'll just stay inside. Until it's time to play the game. Whatever happened to the funds that were promised? All of a sudden we got a collapsed pocket? The bottom line should not be the net profit. You can't open your heart when it's controlled by your wallet. Decals and patches. Fireworks and trumpets. We're not puppets. Don't publicize false budgets. Ask the pundits and we shouldn't have a say. If you speak up for change, then I shut up and play. If we remain silent, that would just be selfish. Since they don't have a voice, we're speaking up for the helpless. It's not enough to act like you care for the troops. Millions for pregame patriotism. You get paid to salute. Lift every voice and sing. It's just a way to save face. Lose the mask and stop hiding the real game face. So if my dad was a soldier, but the cops killed my brother, do I stand for one anthem and then kneel for the other? This attempt to unify only creates more divide. So we'll skip this song and dance. And as a team, we'll stay inside. We need changed hearts, not just a response to pressure. Enough, no more fluff and empty gestures. We need owners with influence and pockets bigger than ours. To call up officials and flex political power. When education is not determined by where we reside. And we have the means to purchase what the doctor prescribed. And you fight for prison reform and innocent lives. And you repair the communities that were tossed to the side. And you admit you gained from it and you swallowed your pride. And when greed is not the compass, but love is the guide. And when the courts don't punish skin color, but punish the crime. Until then, we'll just skip the long production and stay inside. For centuries, we've been trying to make you aware. Either you're in denial or just simply don't really care. It's not a black-white thing. Or a left-right thing. Let's clean the whole bird and stop arguing about which wing. Before the media starts wondering and guessing, they just answered all your questions. We'll just stay inside. Uh, yeah, I was squirming during that entire thing. Again, that was the Miami Dolphins putting out a video about how they don't want to be political puppets during the two national anthems, so to speak, that are, be, be, that are going to be played during their game or right before their game on Sunday. Um, a lot of lies in that video, by the way. And it's also interesting that while saying they're not going to make a show during the anthem, they're just making a show during a two-minute Twitter video. And again, what are they trying to, to accomplish? Are they actually unifying anybody? Is their message even true at all? I mean, they, they really just were rattling off a list of leftist talking points there. And then they had the nerve to say it's not a left-right thing. Of course it is. Of course it's a political thing. Unbelievable. I think this, this whole debacle with the NFL and all these other sports leagues really does teach a lesson to us, a lesson that we can hopefully apply in our lives to avoid this type of embarrassing tone deafness. I mean, obviously they're in some kind of a bubble where they all talk about the same things and pretend to think the same things when they 
when there's really, like I said, virtually no possible way that all those hundreds of people believe that same message. It does make us have to examine how we speak. What do we speak about? Is our message truthful? Here's something to consider before we even speak. This is a really important subject for Christians to learn about. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. So before we even speak, how about we gather the facts and prove what we believe? Make sure what we're about to say is actually grounded in reality. How many of those players do you think actually did extensive research before using their platform to divide the nation? How many of them have ever spent more than five minutes digging into the facts, proving what they're saying before they decide to say it? It does make you wonder. Acts 17, verse 11, has another strong example for us. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So, of course, this applies to in-depth Bible study, making sure we actually know the truth and can prove it true. But it does apply in a lot of other areas. And really... One of the things that frustrates me the most every day when reading the news is just that people will read a tweet or they'll watch a video and immediately they'll spout off an opinion about it without even gathering the facts first. And we've actually seen this happen a lot at the very highest levels of government among people who are supposed to be our leaders not getting the facts, and then putting out a divisive statement within minutes. Not proving anything. Certainly not trying to figure out whether those things were so. So this is what we have to do before we even decide to speak. have to actually make sure we're not breaking the Ten Commandments and spreading a lie around the entire nation. We don't want to be lying just because we haven't proven the truth, because we've been deceived. We don't want to be lying on accident. I do think a lot of those players are genuine. I also think some of them might not be, but probably most of them do believe what they're saying, but that's just because they haven't taken the time to prove it. But James 1 gives us basically an order for things, how we, how we approach what we say. James 1, verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be 
swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's the order. We should be extremely quick to listen, especially when it comes to listening to God, listening to God's government within his church, listening to the truth, which God's church does put out in a, in a variety of mediums. We need to be quick to listen, swift to hear, and then slow to speak. It doesn't say swift to hear, swift to speak. So even when we do listen and thoroughly take the time to prove the truth, it doesn't mean we should just start speaking right away. I think that's a hard lesson for all of us to learn. I've learned it a lot from teaching and having various other responsibilities, even from uh, being on radio. I have the unpleasant privilege of being able to listen to myself after the fact and learn what I sounded like or how I came across or maybe how I conveyed a certain point. And I have definitely learned if there is a way to miscommunicate, it probably will happen. If there is any possible way to confuse somebody else with what you say, it probably will happen. It really is important to take the time to think, take the time to study deeply into what we're forming our opinions on before we start talking about it. So just to make sure we're being clear about what we say and a lot of the time it's also just fine not to speak at all even if what we believe is true there are plenty of times not to talk and that maybe can be a little bit difficult for us to figure out sometimes Ecclesiastes 3 verse 7 talks about a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. So even when we do know the truth and have the truth and have proven it, there is a time to speak it, and there's also a time to keep silence. And I think that would be the case even with these athletes. Even if they were correct, It's not the appropriate place to be talking about those things. The message should not be imprinted on the basketball court, on the jerseys, on the pitching mound, on all of the stadium big boards. It's not the place for it. And if they even had any grasp of their role in society, they would realize that. They are there to provide a pleasant, temporary diversion from everyday stresses. That is what people pay them for. That is what people pay to watch. Not to be lectured about politics. And again, even if, even if you agree with those messages, wouldn't you also like a break from from that while you're trying to watch a game. I wouldn't like it if they had 
Trump flags flying all over the field. I wouldn't like I wouldn't like it if they were preaching about traditional family at halftime. So if, even if it's a conservative or a biblical message, I still don't think it's the place for that. And I'm pretty sure most people would say the same thing. That's not what sports are for. There is a time to keep silence. Now, this applies in so many different areas of our lives. We have this, you could almost call it a weapon in our heads, this brain. And then there's another weapon connected to the brain called a tongue, and that's in our mouths. And there are so many damaging ways to transfer our thoughts to our tongues. We can cause a lot of pain if we do not use our words the right way. And I think probably most of you have experienced that. I've definitely experienced that. And it does take a lot of years and a lot of learning, sometimes the hard way, what to say, what not to say, and when to say it or not to say it. James 3 verse 2 says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. You see, controlling our words actually would make us perfect. If we did that perfectly, we would be perfect. And obviously, none of us are perfect. Obviously, we all make mistakes. But the point is, these players, after months of consideration, still got it horribly wrong. Because they didn't prove what they were believing, and they didn't choose the right time to speak about it. It is difficult, though, even in our individual lives, to apply this the right way. Notice this comparison, James 3, verse 3, the next verse. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Then verse 4. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor lists. So a horse is turned by a bridle, A ship is turned by the wheel or the helm. And that's really what the tongue is like. Verse 5, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And then verse 6 talks about the tongue being like a fire. And you know that our words can burn like fire they can spread like fire through gossip or through careless comments that hurt people's feelings even a lot of comments that might be true it might not be best to say them in front of a large group of people for example correction or rebuke usually should not be done in front of a large group of people even if it is our place to do that sometimes or if we have to do that It really does take a lot of consideration. 
So, of course, the message has to be true. Then we have to think about the appropriate time and place to speak. Another example would be probably in the workplace. We shouldn't be standing up during the middle of the workday and preaching God's truth to our coworkers. Not a great idea. Gossiping about people. Not a great idea. Even saying rude things to somebody's face. Definitely not a great idea. James 3. It just shows how important it is to control the tongue. Even if the words we say are all true. That has to be the baseline. The words do have to be true. But then there's also a lot of thought that has to go into saying them. Some topics should be altogether avoided. Like social justice at a football game. That should just be avoided altogether. It's amazing how that is so complicated to some people. But, again, we all have struggles with this. We can't look down on others because it really is a challenge for everybody. We're not perfect. We all have to work hard on taming the tongue. So we've been talking about how we speak, making sure that it's truthful, making sure we know when or when not to say it. Definitely a valuable lesson for all of us to learn and apply. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.